Hello, welcome back to the Press and Matters podcast. I'm Sam Hyde. I'm joined as always by Toby Puisevere. Hello. Hello, hello. Uh, what a week of football it's been. It feels like everything is imploding. Is football going to end forever? Maybe. Uh, because Mikel Arteta has come out with this uh, post-match... Uh, well, people have been calling it an emotional rant, but I didn't think it was that emotional or ranty. But uh, there's been a lot of talk about the refereeing situation. It's been building for years, probably. Uh, and finally, there's been a sort of breaking point after the Liverpool Spurs game a few weeks ago, where Liverpool came out with a statement uh, cri- criticising referees and asking for audio to be released and all that. Arsenal have now done the same thing after a similarly crazy spectacle uh, well, full of refereeing errors. I think we're going to disagree on some of this, but go on. What? Because I don't think the two situations are particularly similar. Per, per, well, okay. Well, we have... we have. Look, it was a big weekend of football. It was a big weekend uh, to watch some refereeing and then, um, I don't know, get distracted by some football amongst it all. Um, you're absolutely right in terms of the decision. Uh, I, but but I think there's three subjective calls made back to back, and I understand that Arsenal fans should feel hard done by. I think only one of them is clear, really. Well, uh, okay. Obviously, let's just go to the Arsenal uh, Newcastle game. Okay, up and up on Atletico Tyneside. Now, the big decision is the goal isn't it? And that definitely needs to be discussed, right? And I'm sure you're going to have a very strong opinion on it. I have an opinion on it. I don't think the goal should have stood. But I think it's lots of subjective decisions rather than... I I don't like this likeness to the Liverpool Spurs decision because the Liverpool Spurs decision is everyone in the VAR room confirming that a goal has taken place and yet that not being communicated to the on-field referee. What happens with the Arsenal situation, and I'm not trying to make this a tribal debate or anything like that, but what happens with the Arsenal situation, the, the, the Newcastle goal, is that there are three subjective decisions and they all go against Arsenal. Now, I don't think it should have stood simply because I think Joe Linton handballs it. Okay? And I think that removes any of the, is the ball in or not? Is it a push or not? Um, is it offside or not? Because I think it's handball from Joe Linton anyway for it to then bundle towards uh, Anthony Gordon. Anthony Gordon. So, just to say about the handball thing... Which, which I think uh, is the most objective of the four. They looked at three. I think there was actually four to look at, right? Well, but because the, the, the VAR can't actually look at the handball is a thing. And, I mean, obviously, this is a case where the rules are just wrong. But uh, you can't look at a handball on VAR if it is deemed to be accidental and it was not done by the goal scorer. So, Raheem Sterling had an incident against Chelsea where the ball gets pinged against his hand by a defender... Nothing you can do about it. But because he then goes on to score, VAR can okay. rule it out. If he'd passed it, it wouldn't have mattered. But it's, it's a problem of... the, the like the Refereeing is broken in many, many different ways, and this is one of them. Okay. But but then in that case, I don't really actually have too much of an issue with the goal standing, although I do think you could give the push. 
I think you definitely, definitely, definitely have to miss the push. But I think people are also missing a lot of the points of everything. Uh, and this is why Arsenal are making this report that I mentioned that um, they're compiling the decisions that have gone against Arsenal in the last couple of seasons that have, uh, you know, cost Arteta massively. And I think this is what this is why Arteta has been speaking about this, as he did after the Liverpool game, as he did after um, the game this week, where you prepare all week and the Premier League is such a difficult league and you're trying to get all these small margins and then you just get these biased refereeing performances all the time that are just costing you. And like, you know, in the Liverpool Spurs, completely everything was going Spurs' way in the decisions. Arsenal-Newcastle, everything's going in Newcastle's way. You know, you're looking at how the media are responding to this and you're getting like Gary Neville putting a ball on the line. Like it's sort of some rubbish science program. Like, oh, this is how the ball uh, can be misleading. Like it's completely missing the whole point of the issue, um, which is that we're just seeing this trend of all sorts of decisions going against us, which in this Newcastle game, it is inarguable that Bruno Gimaresh should have been sent off. He should have been booked like much earlier than he did and there's no football fan that is going to look at those sort of three or four instances of Bruno Gimaresh basically abusing Arsenal players and not say he should have been booked because he's deliberately hitting someone in the head he's deliberately bundling someone over off the ball and then you've got like Callum Wilson sort of grabbing Gabriel by the throat Gimaresh uh, pushes Fabio Vieira in the face like, it, 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 we're not just talking about the ball looked out and though it wasn't, even though you can say, like, the Hoyland goal for United is the same situation that they applied the rules differently. Like, it, it, it's, it's a mountain of issues and people are m- misrepresenting it in the media deliberately uh, to make it look like Arsenal are talking about, oh, the ball went out of play uh, and things like this, which is, is why it's so frustrating. Uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. The, the, the game escaped... The referees control very early on, and 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 you know caused he he caused his own problems. Okay, I do think that the inconclusive nature of some of the decisions leading up to the goal is is infuriating, but I think it kind of makes sense. Unfortunately, some of it. Well, um, you need a camera, I, basically, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but I, but I'm. But I agree. Which they, they should change. They should change. It's something they could, they could change in the future. Yeah. But I agree with what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying, Sam. I think, actually, if we look into... If we analyse the game without that, you know, I don't think Arsenal really did enough to win the game. I'm not saying that they deserve to lose it, but if we, if we do take some of the refereeing to the side, you know, it was, it was... There is still a trend of Arsenal being a little bit blunt in attack this season. This is completely separate. This doesn't justify anything that happened in the game and any decisions, but there has been a bit of a trend, I think, of Arsenal, especially in some of the big games, being a little bit blunt going forwards, um, in, in my opinion. Um, so I think there is an there are parts of the game that are being completely overlooked and, and are, you know, a, a lot of it can be hidden by all of this, I, th- I think some of it benefits Arteta. I think the statement coming out from Arsenal is um, interesting, to be honest, and I don't, I don't disagree with it. But I just think it's a, they've. It feels like they've looked at the Liverpool situation 
And again, I'm trying, I know it will come across that I'm just being tribal and saying, oh, no, we had grounds to complain and you didn't. But my point is, is that it's just a different kind of, it's a different kind of opinion. See what I mean? We had an apology immediately after the game to say there was a mistake that happened. That Arsenal kind of like said, yeah, Arteta's right, it was all wrong. But the Premier League hadn't accepted it at this point. And I know they shouldn't have to accept it for things to be pointed out as wrong or not. But it became a very, it was a very black and white statement for ultimately lots of subjective decisions. Now, I, I don't think it is subjective, though, to say that Bruno should have been sent off and that Joel Linton is pushing him over. Like, the, 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 we've seen so many decisions against Arsenal in the last two years that are just... Like, you look at the Kovacic decision two weeks ago where he didn't get sent off for two studs' first challenges. Like, it is subjective to a... It, like, obviously, it is subjective to a point, but, like, it's not an arguable decision, and this is the problem. Um... And I I wanted to talk about the, the the fact that how people are responding to all of this, like the statement and that, like there's there's because you, you've said it exactly is that people are focusing, people like you fall into this as well as what I'm saying is that people are talking about oh Arsenal didn't deserve to win, David Raya made a mistake, Mikel Arteta got too emotional, BBC were asking is Mikel going to apologise to the referee, what for, uh, match of the day say Bruno Gimresh was just as lucky as Harvard's not to get a red card, completely misrepresented the game on match of the day by not showing any of the instances that led to the Harvard's challenge. Um, it's, it's, it's just crazy. Like, every side of the media, if if you're not, like, in the Arsenal bubble, every side of the media is just attacking Arsenal in a way that didn't happen with Liverpool. And uh, I don't know. But, like, I think I it's, talk- but I think it's a question of perspective as well, because I think... Sorry to jump in, but I think when you're in the Arsenal bubble, you're also only seeing everybody call out. You know, it's like Arsenal fans are so outraged and, you know, some of it's justified in the same way that Liverpool fans were so outraged and some of it was justified. We only ever saw the lack of support rather than the support. But Arteta was very supportful of Klopp, and now Liverpool fans. But are he just wasn't. Like, he he wasn't. Not not. In, no, he was. Okay, okay. But what was represented to me in the Liverpool? This is this is my point, though. Is what was represented to me in the Liverpool bubble was him saying, "We have to accept that these mistakes can happen," blah blah, blah and, and basically saying, "Yeah, look, this is what it is, and and you got to get on with it and suck it up." That that's what was represented to to Liverpool fans in the Liverpool bubble, and I think at the same time, look, you're you're saying you you follow Arsenal in a different way to me, um, so you're seeing different things to what I'm seeing, um, but I think that outrage as well is is manipulated by Arsenal fans in the same way that it was with Liverpool fans. Um, do you see what you I know mean? That, you're not seeing you know the support I... for Arsenal fans because because you're in the Arsenal bubble. But you know that Arteta quote is basically misrepresented as well. But, but this you is what that. I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Is I don't know that because I see it from the Liverpool bubble. Oh, right. So we see what made us happy because it means that then when something happens to you, we can turn around and clip it up and, and fire it back at Arteta. It's the us against the world. It's the tribalism mentality. I, 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 I get what you're saying, right? I get what you're saying and, and I've not seen the full clip. But the fact that I've not seen the full clip is the exact problem, right? In the same sense that, for, as an Arsenal fan, you're seeing all of the Arsenal hate 
and not maybe anything else. Do you get do you get what I'm so, trying to say? Yeah, to an extent. But I, I feel Liverpool fans have deliberately misrepresented Arteta because of this football tribalism stuff. And I think that is what is so frustrating about the reaction to this is that it's become f- almost football versus Arteta when all Arteta and Arsenal statement have said is that the referee should be better. And everything Arteta has said about this game, he said after the Liverpool match, what Liverpool fans have Liverpool fans have done is they've taken a quote from days later when the audio came out, um, where he got asked something like, uh, "What punishment do you think the referee should have?" And then Arteta said, "Mistakes are made," and that's all the Liverpool one was. It was a really big, terrible mistake. Uh, what's happening with Arsenal, which I think. Um, is a little bit different to that, is that Arsenal are putting together these reports of a trend of situations. And, you know, I, I, I see Mark Goldwich talk about this all the time. And it's, it's really great. Is There's two clubs that always get the benefit of the decisions, and it's Man City and Newcastle. If you're a Liverpool fan, Man United fan, Arsenal fan, Wolves fan, Brighton fan, th- these stuff are going to go against you. And uh, I saw Keith Hackett uh, tweeting, he, the former referee, he seems to think that Carragher and Neville are getting someone in their ear on Sky Sports telling them not to talk about their referees. Yeah, I've seen that as well. Um, and I think it's true. I think it's true just from the way that Neville's changed his tune and all of this kind of stuff. But I don't think there's some Arteta against football or anything like this. Klopp, right? Klopp came out and... Uh, okay, Klopp called out the five subs. He was the first person to really instigate that kind of change. He had Chris Wilder all over him being like, oh, yeah, of course he wants five subs because he's got a better squad and blah, blah, blah. When Klopp just wanted it for welfare players, all a huge amount of fan bases and everything was going after him. Klopp moans all the time. Klopp also comes out and says about the 12.30 kickoff, okay? He says that if you play in Europe, and it wasn't about us, it was about whoever was playing in Europe. And he says whoever plays in Europe... Um, shouldn't shouldn't be able to be selected by BT for the twelve thirty Saturday game. It's not fair. Okay, we get he gets called a moaner, a whinger, whatever, and then eventually they change that as well. Okay, there's a lot of things that Klopp has come out and and said about fairly rationally, and then gets called a whinger. I'm not saying it's Klopp against the world, but. I think you're experiencing some of these things as well, maybe from having a vocal manager. And at times it looks like it's your manager against everyone else. And I don't think it's the case. I think it's also being portrayed in Arsenal media that it is you against the world when, you know, it's not necessarily like that. But then, no, but it is at the moment. Like it is, like I'm not saying it's everyone against Ateta all the time. But at the moment, whenever there's these, like you say with Klopp, when there's stuff that's going against Liverpool and the manager comes out to complain about it, like this isn't going to happen with Gary O'Neill, even though he's doing the same stuff because like n- people aren't really interested in Wolves, even though he's making as much the same points as Arteta is and he's absolutely right to do so. But at the moment, it's Arteta that is uh, leading this charge for Arsenal to try and get PGMOL to improve the refereeing which is something that everyone should be able to agree with everyone always complains about referees and suddenly now that one manager is doing it the entire media like the you know the mainstream media on sky sports and you know stuff in the guardian or whatever like it it's all focusing on arteta for some reason and there just seems to be this disconnect where it's like people agree that the referees 
are not good enough and are making too many mistakes. But as soon as a football club that is your rival is talking about it, everyone is supporting the referees now. Like, Carragher and Neville are supporting the referees suddenly, saying you can't be making statements like this. And you just have to ask why. But, but also, throughout the whole game, Neville will criticise the referee and talk about how they've got them wrong, how they've got this. And then as soon as it's over, he says, oh, but you can't, you can't undermine, that was the key word, you can't undermine the authority of referees as well and things like this. But throughout the full 90 minutes, he's saying, oh, he's lost control of this game. Oh, he's got that one wrong. Oh, it's, it's naughty from Romero. They better not miss that. And even the way he says things like that, oh, don't miss this, don't miss this. He's like pleading with them because he knows that instead of just letting people get on and do their job, he's commentating. And he's already just a negative commentator as it is he's all he's constantly kind of focusing on the bad side of things in the game the bad defending the the poor tackle made the the rash bit of um bit of head loss or whatever rather than the skill or the 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 beauty or the you know the the, the positive moment um if you actually like uh, look i like peter drury but i kind of can't be bothered with full long form poetry every weekend but I'm still for Peter Drury on the whole compared to Martin Tyler, although it can get a bit tiresome at times when it's like Brentford Burnley and he's waxing lyrical about, I don't know, Ethan Pinnock leaping, rising like a salmon or something. I don't just need it constantly, Peter, but fine. But if you just listen to them talk together, one completely focuses on the negatives and one, Peter, Peter Drury doesn't actually want to say, he doesn't like to criticise all Neville likes to do is criticise. But anyway, that's off on a separate tangent. Look, I think we have to park that at some point. And I agree with you. I disagree with you in certain points. I think the, the thing is, like, is anything going to change is the problem. And I think it would be very interesting to see basically what Howard Webb does because uh, there is so much pressure on the referees. It's completely their own making. Um, uh, you know, Arteta has to protect his players because the way Jorginho was treated by Bruno Guimaraes was was awful. Like you can't allow your player to be repeatedly hit and knocked over like that. Um, Where's well, Atletico tied side, mate? Yeah, well, they were so aggressive. Uh, which is is fine if the referees are going to do something. So. Uh, you know, like I, I'm not saying Newcastle shouldn't be aggressive, but the referee needs to punish them when they do overstep the line, which they did from minute one. You can't go grabbing players' necks, which they did, did twice and got away with it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I look. I get all of that. I get all of that. I do, and I understand your frustrations. I think there's a dangerous road that I, I do. Look, I don't agree with Neville, but I do think there's a dangerous road we're going down with club statements and things like this. I think it. I, I just think it can't become too frequent. And I get that it's becoming frequent because of the ref's mistakes. I understand that. I understand that they don't want to be making statements. But they undermine their own authority, if you like, if it's happening too regularly. Because people people are already making jokes about it. You know, that I saw Spurs get the red card and somebody like Duncan Alexander tweets in capital capitals, club statement. Like, it's, it's getting memed and parodied already. Um... But I get that that doesn't mean you stop doing it, but I think you've got to be clever in how you do it. And I think, yeah, I think think it's difficult. I mean, with with the goal, it it was difficult. It was difficult. It's just they didn't even try with the offside, which annoyed me. Like, it looks like Gordon's off, but... um, I I thought he looked on, but 
it was all just looking and and nobody we can all just stand around all day and say we we thought it was this sort of that the 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 frustrating thing is the kind of rise in inconclusivity because it just seems like a cop-out yeah like there's no reason why they can't draw lines from um jolinton's uh sort of torso somewhere uh you know they've got so many angles like it looked to me like uh gordon's knee was ahead of Jolinton's torso which means that it must be ahead of the ball but they just don't even draw the lines which was the frustrating thing but yeah that that's not really the point like uh, I think you can analyse you, you can analyse like so many instances over and over but the, the thing that Arsenal are doing is compiling a list of things that have gone against Arsenal unfairly uh, to try and make the point that to, to show this trend and you know you look at Tommy Yasu's red card earlier in the season Compare that to what Bruno Gamarish did at, uh, at the weekend, and it's just baffling. It's but, yeah. It, it the the problem is all consistency's sense. gone. I watched Shadoki last night fly into, and he still gets sent off in two yellows. But he should have had a straight red anyway. He doesn't make much contact with Sterling because Sterling jumps out mm. of the way of both of his flying feet off the ground challenge. You know, and yeah. and Jones has got all of the ball, gone over the ball, and and gone down on someone, and. You know the red card, the appeal didn't go through or anything like that. Fine if if you then make your bed there and say that's a red, but then it's a lack of consistency. But we've said this all season and nothing's looked like ever changing or or you know. So yeah, it's it's. It, it it's feels okay. like the the referees are kind of trying to back up the wrong decisions they've made before, and but just in an in, inconsistent way. Like the 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 benchmark for a red card is who knows what it is anymore because sometimes they try to be. Are we able to look beyond those decisions and just, you know, what what do you think of Arsenal this year? Just as a bit of, you know, if if we because we could sit around and just have a referee podcast for for, for you know the next, uh, the next thirty match weeks or however many there are next twenty eight match weeks. But like, I mean, do you, do you do you think you're as good as you were last year? Do you think you're you know very much in a title race? Do you think there's nothing to worry about? Do you think you're more defensively solid and compact? And yeah, okay, that's going to take away from your attack slightly, but the payoff means that you're going to get more one nil wins over the line, which ultimately for for a season of thirty eight games is can can lead you to be just as successful. What you know? What, what's your feelings as an Arsenal fan if we take away things like that? Because there's a a I'd say a fairly Poor performance against Chelsea by Arsenal standards of last year. I don't think it's an easy place to go in a must-win place, but you know, realistically, you beat City, but it was a scrappy game. But you know, that doesn't really matter because you get the three points in a crucial fixture. You lose to Newcastle. How, how are you feeling about this Arsenal team this season? Uh, yes. So ju- just to actually talk about the game, Newcastle game briefly. Like it, it is annoying that you can't talk about the football, but. It was very frustrating watching Match of the Day when they were analysing how good Newcastle were defensively. Um, because, on the other hand, if the Newcastle goal instant was an instant where Arsenal had scored and it went the similar way, uh, you'd be talking about how good Gabriel and Saliba have been because they, they've been excellent all season. I think uh, what has been impressive with Arsenal this year is that the defence has been really, really good, I think. Um and with Declan Rice as well, like the, the the fact of Arsenal being hit on the counter has just been eliminated uh, by so much just with Declan Rice's uh, recovery ability. Um, 
So in in the boring ways, I think Arsenal are a lot better than last year. Uh, but I think it is a conscious effort by Arteta not to uh, let Arsenal make as many mistakes. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. The attack has faltered a little bit. I think um, it's been quite frustrating that we've missed Jesus and now missing Odegaard at certain times um, because those are such creative players and so dynamic. Um, I because I don't know. Like as a fan, you always want to see the team be more attacking and really fluid. I would say it's too early for me to say Arteta should be doing that because. At the moment, I think it is working. I think Arsenal have been getting over the line pretty much where they need to. It's just sort of that that Fulham game. Chelsea was pretty bad as well. Like Chelsea yeah, and Spurs but, but are bad games. It's been marginal when you know. I think also when you have been poor going forwards, you've been very solid defensively on the whole. So yeah, because I I look at the Chelsea game like those two. It, I said with the Chelsea game like the two goals Arsenal couldn't do anything about. So. Uh, I don't know, you just kind of take that as one of those games. I think it's Fulham and Spurs are the ones where, like, Arsenal could have done more. Um, creatively, certainly. Um, but, yeah, I'm not worried. I'm I'm quite positive. But at the same time, you know, you, you watch this game against Newcastle. Um, after the game against Newcastle, and it's quite hard to be positive because you just think, like, how many more times is this going to happen? Uh, which is why Arteta sort of been at breaking point Newcastle had two shots on target as well by the way people say Arsenal didn't create but Newcastle didn't either one of those was yeah. the goal so uh, it was it was a really crazy game because it, it, it was so end to end but without stuff actually happening I think when you look I know you didn't watch the game last night the um, Chelsea well, the Spurs Chelsea game it was a little bit bonkers um, as I'm sure You've seen plenty of incidents and we touched on Nadogi there. Obviously he got sent off, Romero got sent off as well. But even before that, you know, Spurs looked so dangerous on the break, but they looked so vulnerable as well, even with 11 players. This wasn't when they went down to mm. 9 or 10, um, which which they did because of their, frankly, mental tactics, um, which somehow got applauded by everyone, even though they got pumped by like the worst attack in the league. Um, and I know, I know, numbers-wise, they're not the worst attack in the league, Chelsea. But putting the ball actually in the back of the net, they are dreadful. Um, and we can talk about XG, but XG just proves that they're dreadful at actually finishing. You've allowed Nicholas Jackson to score a hat trick. It's it's laughable. Um, but ultimately, um, it was a basketball match for the first like you know fifteen twenty minutes. Um, and Spurs were thriving in it. Don't get me wrong, with the likes of Kulusevski, Son, Brennan Johnson running into those spaces that they were creating in transition. But equally, they looked incredibly vulnerable to a Chelsea side that have struggled to you know really be lethal in front of goal. Um, and look, in terms of what's going to be dependable and what's going to be um, something that actually allows you to build upon to challenge for a title being you know compact and conservative and and just you know having less moments but giving away virtually nothing is going to be far more sustainable throughout a season and you know 
I, I just think, I mean, look, I speak as a Liverpool fan who watched Klopp come in and play heavy metal football where we're beating Norwich 4-3 in the 90th minute. And it's great fun and everything at the time. But the time, you know, when we're actually building a team that can sustain the points tally that is needed to challenge Man City, it's when we are far more, we're still counter-pressing, we're still direct, but shutting down those transitions defensively and, you know, having far more control. Um, and I think it was very concerning for me, if you're a Spurs fan, that they go down to nine players and they play an impossibly high line with no pressure on the ball and they just got done again and again. And it was Vicario who came out brilliantly, but Chelsea just had to get one right and then it was 2-1. And then they ended up running away with it. And I thought... I was actually shouting quite a lot at my flatmate yesterday who I was watching it with. Um, so sorry to him, because I was so frustrated by the types of passes in behind that Chelsea were playing when they just needed to play one more pass and then just slide one through to Sterling or whoever. And, it, and eventually they do that and then they play, you know, it gets squared to Nicholas Jackson and they score and then it's kind of lights out from there. Um, now, it's interesting because uh, Postacoglu after the game when questioned on his tactics with, with nine players of still pressing high, says, look, that's how we play. If we have five players, we'll still have a go. But And, and James Madison last week was saying, oh, pressing is a non-negotiable under this manager, uh, like high pressing. But, and I get that. But that's not going to win you a title against Man City. And I know it's mental that we're even talking about, you know, winning a title against Man City when it is just Spurs. But... You know, that's not going to work. You are just going to get absolutely done at times. And really, it should have been about 10-1 by the end of the game. If Chelsea... They had half an hour of just taking the time and running in, in, in behind this this defence on the halfway line, which didn't have Mickey van der Ven's pace in it anymore because he went off injured. It had Eric Dyer in there running back. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was strange. I thought it was naive. And I thought... That's great fun, but that's not going to get you a result and that's not going to actually work long term, right? And I've seen people at TIFO be like, oh yeah, well it can actually work because but uh, because um, it's, a, it's just because it looks different, but the high line can catch people off and you're trying to stop people from scoring rather than just sit in. If you put nine men across the width of your box in your defensive third... You know, you can frustrate teams. We did it against Spurs. And okay, we were unlucky and we still lost. But we were far closer to getting a result than they were against Chelsea. Yeah, I think this is kind of the the problem with Ange. Like, I, I said, Ange, is, he's not an experienced manager, is he? Like, he's come from Celtic. I mean, yeah, he said well. But I love the Scottish League. It's the best attended league in the world. Uh, but the reasons to love it are not necessarily for the title race. Um, and then he was at Melbourne Victory, wasn't it? Like, I, I don't think he has uh, the massive amounts of tactical ingenuity uh, that some people think. And also Tottenham have quite a thin squad, which is now going to be very tested now that three of their back four <laughs> are missing. Uh, and maybe James Madison as well. Um, so it'd be interesting. I, I, did, I did say to our friend uh, Tom, the Spurs fan, uh, he saw Ange on TV and was quite happy to see his face. 
Uh, so I tried to rile him up by saying Spurs are going to lose four of the next five. And uh, I'm not feeling too bad about that, actually. They lost to Chelsea. They've got Man City and Villa coming up. Uh, it's a big few weeks for them. They're missing both starting centre-backs in that period. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, as uh, I've got to say, uh, Spurs are ninth on expected points as well. Right. This season. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought you'd find that interesting. A bit more hating from you there. Um, no, fantastic. I have been saying, I, I was convinced, well, I it's took out hating. all of my Spurs assets in FPL and people were questioning me and I did it maybe a bit too early, but I was saying it won't last, it's going to run out, blah, blah, blah. And I was laughed at a little bit in uh, certain mini leagues. But um, Jeremy Doku, hold tight the 22 point collectors. Yes, uh, you did all right with him, to be fair. Just, just going to put a brag in? Is that, uh... Yeah, it's a little humble brag, um, you know. Still not doing well in FPL, but hey, got him. Had a good week. But um, yeah, I think, I think look, ultimately it's going to be, it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, Spur- Chelsea didn't show me anything that made me think, oh, right, their season's going to be ready to get kick-started. Now, I know it's difficult with nine at times and whatever, but they seemed petulant and... and got dragged into a battle they didn't need to be in. Spurs were incredibly rash and, and petulant and just naive and young, really. Um, like, but uh, it was a fascinating encounter, that was for sure. Yes, I'm I'm upset to miss it, but I, did, I watched the highlights today, the extended highlights. Very nice. It was fun. Good old Jackson, how many goals is he going to get this season? Dozens. Not not many more. <laughs> One to watch. Um, mm. I did find the I did find the Arteta quote by the way on Klopp. If you wanted that on the Luis Diaz goal, sorry, he said he hopes uh, Liverpool get what they deserve. And uh, well, we're currently rocking up to Premier League managers like the Grim Reaper. The way we're taking scalps, you know, we are we've got Arteta misquoted or not. You know, we've proudly been laughing at Arteta. Then it was Vincent Company who said, oh, yeah, you've got to accept that mistakes are part of the game, blah, 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 blah. Uh, there was an opportunity for, you know, managers to come together and, and sit down and, and just work out how VAR could be improved and how change could be made, and, and nobody wanted to get on board. Instead, people wanted to, you know, succumb to football tribalism and, mm. you know, embrace the saltiness of many millions of Liverpool fans worldwide. But we're coming for each and every one of them. Don't you worry. Well, nothing is going to change, is it? No. Nope. Yeah. I've read too many negative headlines about Arteta. Uh, it feels like the referees are the one with the the support. But I don't know. I would love to see Arsenal's um, evidence package that they ship off to Howard Webb. That'd be fun. I've seen some TikToks that are basically the same thing. Maybe it's just a load of TikToks that can get sent off. Yeah, maybe. Well, thank you, Toby. That was uh, That was something. Um, let's let's hope that football happens in the future, uh, because I was a bit let's hope bit put off watching football. After let's this hope week. this weekend we get to watch a good round of Premier League football instead of watching a round of Premier League refereeing with some football in between. Yes, and uh, we do we do back far, unlike and uh, it's just that it needs to be used better. Yeah, that was okay. a stupid, that <laughs> just... was a stupid thing to say for Manchester. 
Yes. All right. Well, on that note, thanks, Toby. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Thank you.